Hi, Jennifer. Hey. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I'm cool. super happy to be here today with you again. We're again. so lucky that we get a chance to do this and not many other people do, let's put it that way. It's very we cool. Are. And before we had a glitch, you were telling me about your daughter. She had a dream car from when she was she, young. So it was interesting. So my daughter wanted, a, like, you know, in the fifth grade, she's like, Mom, that's my dream car. And she pointed to this, this Audi. That was, you know, a convertible. And it was so, you know, I'm like, Blakey, that's your dream car? You know, because I'm, of course, I'm like, you know, mine's a blue, <laughs> mine's a different kind of car. Um, and I'm like, you're saying that's your dream, dream car. She goes, yeah, mom. And so fast forward, she gets her license. We're looking for a car. I'm thinking, I saw her actually in this white, cool Jeep, you know, I'm like, I think she's going to get that, which is my dream car for her, right? And we look at Jeep compasses, used ones. You know, everything we look at is a used car. And we had a certain price range. And I'm like, Blakey, we're coming back actually from uh, from Arizona. And she's like, there's some Jeep compasses and one of them actually didn't even, they had roll-up windows. I'm like, Blakey, we're not gonna look at a car that's 10,000, you know, 9,000 or whatever. It has, you have to roll up the windows. We're just not gonna do it. It's not gonna happen. I'm like, I'm sorry. Maybe that's being, I don't know, but you should have automatic windows at this day and age and I'm like I keep thinking that I'm like it's gonna be close by where you get the car well she went on next door app saw this car it was the same price as the Jeep Compass a used Jeep actually less and it was an Audi 5 convertible exactly the car she wanted mint condition exactly the car so do you she think wanted. she was seeing into the future is that possible she could have been seen in the future, but what I found interesting, because mine was a blue Bentley convertible. That's my dream car, right? And I've had dream cars, but that's yeah. my dream car. I know it's funny. She picked something that was an in-between dream car. Do you know what I mean? I actually yeah, like but I'm, what I'm trying to get at in terms of our audience, people tuning right, in. Right, but I, let me finish, though. So there's two things that I found interesting. She goes, Mom, when I was, in the, when I was young... She goes, I love that car because I thought it was sexy. She goes, I didn't know it was expensive or not expensive. That's a big key, I think. Because she didn't have an attachment to, oh, it's so expensive. It, you know, there's no way. Or Well, I'm trying to say that's possible. But I'm also saying she, she, I'm sure she, she saw it. it. I'm sure she did. Well, so I now she always saw herself in it but she didn't know it was going to be at 16. i mean who gets a convertible i didn't get a nobody gets a convertible that i know at the age of 16. but that car you did yeah that's different that car was something that you know th three blocks down were the neighbors they were three blocks down they weren't our neighbors but three blocks down were the owners of the car they had it in the garage it's a 2012 mint condition only maybe 8,000 miles and my husband is such a stickler about our mechanic, so loyal to him. He's like, well, I'm going to have him check it out first. So when I'm like, you just deal with Blakey, because I don't want to ever interfere. I'm just like, you just deal with Blakey. And the first thing he said, he's like, yeah, I want to take it to my guy, Kais. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. We just took it there this morning to make sure everything was working properly. Wow. Great. And that kind of, so, and it, but yeah, I do believe she saw herself in it. And I'm like, well, why did I ask my own guy? I'm like, why did you show me a Jeep? And they told me, they're like, that was your dream car for her. Yeah, that's funny. 
which was true. That was my dream card. Yeah. Well, we were playing 20 questions yesterday. You know, that game where you think of something, pick, you know, it's a person, place, or thing. And we do it in our family. You know, we're driving around and we go, okay, I'm thinking of something. And then we see how long it takes for us to think of it. But right. yesterday, while we were doing it, I started to ask, because of our work together, uh -huh. what are you seeing when you say that? For an example, uh, I was are thinking. Are you seeing your mind's eye or are you seeing it physically out there? Well, you know, they'll go, is it in Tibet? That was the question. And I said, yes, related yeah. to. And then my son said, is it a momo, which is, a, you know, type of food, right? Very obscure thing for him to picture. But I said, when you said, is it in Tibet, what did you see? What were you seeing? And right. he said, I saw some beads you know, like mala beads. And that's why I said, is it Tibetan or is it in Tibet? It's related to what we're doing, which is you see an image clearly. Right. And I say, well, what does that relate to? And, and I'm just saying, not just that because Blake's your daughter, she also happens to probably have the same gifts you do, possible. She does. She it, does. It, well, you know, is it genetic or is it, you know, well, part I've of the brain? Also, I've also, she did have seizures like I did. She had, she had a major seizure where I was in the back of the ambulance begging for her life. Wow. And so we were the only ones that had seizures in our family. Um, all right. So, you know, maybe that's related. Your genetic code combined with this filtering, severing right. seizure. Mm -hmm. alter, you know, I talked to someone the other day, I had a near-death experience when they were a child. And... Uh, I told her a little bit what we're doing. This is the dentist office. And she was like, oh, that stuff freaks me out. Don't tell me any. I don't want to know. Ghosts, blah, blah. And I said, well, wait a second. You had a near-death experience when you were a child. What happened? I don't know. I made it up, she said. She wanted to believe she made it up. But then just digging a little bit, I got her to admit that her whole life she's been seeing people right. who aren't there, let's say. And so I'm trying to point out that if you look into the research about filters on the brain, mm -hmm. I always tell people to look at Dr. Grayson's uh, YouTube talk, Is Consciousness Produced by the Brain? Where right. he talks about filters. If right. your filter's altered because you're a medium or you're a child who doesn't have them yet or near-death event or out-of-body experience, maybe LSD, ayahuasca, you're altering the filters on the brain that prevent you from accessing information. And every now and then, an image slips in. Right. Even when she was young, that image of her in this car slipped in. I, told, I, I, I never even thought of that. Yeah, because we were, we were talking about how you manifest something. And this is what people often say, you know, like if you pray for it and think it, yeah, that's possible. It's possible that you're creating your reality and manifesting wealth, whatever it is. It's also possible that you're shifting the filters so that you're seeing something that is going to occur. Right. Um, you know, that's that's why I, I mentioned And it was just so sweet. So for our listeners, you know, I think the research that I did with just this cute little example, and like I said, she got it for less than, it was for less than, we got it for $2,000 less than the blue book value. And we got it for the exact price that we were willing to go to. And, 
you know, so she didn't know about the price. And I think that helps. She just, so whether she, so let's just say that she manifested it, how to manifest things. I think if you just, you know, have something pop in your head, I think it's a combination of both, right? Like I had in my, I actually, I actually, for five years before I got into this office overlooking the ocean, I saw myself in a building like this, looking out of the ocean. See, for the audience, these are the kind of arguments that Jennifer and I have. They're very unusual and they're about the flip side, which is kind of funny. Right. You may be absolutely right. And this is what people say. I manifested that. I wanted that. Okay. And that's interesting too, because then I look back when I got, you know, when I went out on my first date with my now husband. Of with your Fred. Years, with my Fred. Um, poor guy right now. <laughs> I'm so bad for him. He just had hip surgery. He replaced a hip. Anyway. Um, so their first date, I saw myself getting married to him and I stood up and I told him like, Hey, you know what? This isn't going to work out. I'm still, you know, thinking about, I'm still, even though I'm, you know, I broke up with this guy or whatever. I'm still thinking about him. I'm like, you just got out of a relationship. You need to go date as many girls as you can before you come see me. And he just looked at me and he goes, it's only dinner. <laughs> but well, I saw myself getting married to him, which eventually then happened. Right. I, didn't, I don't think at that time I manifested it. That's just what I saw. And it scared the crap out of me and I ran. Well, I think it's related to what we're doing and what we're talking about. And it was like when we talked to your dad and he's, and we asked your father, who's on the flip side, to show you an event in your Akashic library, in the book, The Volume of Jennifer, that he was aware of, but you were not. And he opened up that book and went to a, a moment when you suddenly, as a child, without any awareness of anything, said, you know, grandpa's sick. And we need to move to California to be near him. And your father didn't know that was to be the case. And then it happened. And now he's telling us from the other side, that's when he realized there was something off about his daughter or something on, let's say. Yeah. Something wonderful. So that was not a manifestation by any stretch of the imagination. It's a visualization. The filters are off. So... People want to know, though, can I imagine what I want? And if, well, I would think, yeah, of course you can imagine that and aim towards that. But I would also allow, just allow, that it's possible that's what you're supposed to do and that's why you want it. Allow that part of the reason that you want to become a scholar, a doctor, a teacher, a surgeon, a pool player is because... That's kind of the plan you had when you showed up here. You have to allow that. So speaking of plans when you showed up here, last week we had a very unusual segue, very yes. unusual conversation with somebody who had self-identified, no other way to put it, mm -hmm. as the principal. And this person, after a number of questions, I you know, mis mistakenly thought his name was spelled one way, or her, mm -hmm. they talked about being a mathematical principle. And we eventually got to a point where the question was, well, are you an incarnating person or are you a non-incarnating? And they said they were, and ultimately I asked the question, would, you, would people here on earth consider you an angel? And that's how, and hence the title I used in last week's podcast, 
talking to a guardian angel because those two things came up. So my question to Luana, hello class, hi Lou. Sorry I had a technical glitch before we could get started. But I just wanna say hi class. I hope everybody's cool and copacetic. And Lou, you're the one with the clipboard. Please bring forward whoever it is we need to speak to today. Okay, they're showing me a Janet. So they're actually showing me Janet Jackson, but I'm not quite sure. I know she's still on the planet. So I just need to understand what, what it is that they're, so it could be the name. It could be somebody that's yeah. the same there, but it could be a bunch of things. So let me, and it, usually when they do that, it means I don't know the actual person that we're talking about. Hold on. Janet, that's interesting. It's a Janet that you know. Okay. On the well, Lou, would you put this Janet that I know in Jennifer's view? Is this a, a woman? Usually when they're called Janet, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> I just want to clarify, this is a woman. Is she white or black or brown or? White, she's white. Come on. She's white? And so the name Janet yeah. is the connection. Is that right? Yeah, either Janet or Jan, something or like Jane, that. Jane, possibly? Yeah, okay. Jane. Why would they show? Okay. I understand. I don't. Well, that's why I ask. Um, so <laughs> let's clarify this. Just prior to my coming here, I was having an email conversation with a friend of mine named Jane. Are you, are you referring to this Jane that I wrote an email to this morning? It was, it's referring to that, Jane, but it's about something else, correct? About someone else, correct? Correct. Okay. I understand what she's talking about. And this is like the weirdest conversation you could have. It's like... Gosh, they're making it difficult. <laughs> no, it's not. No, actually, she's specifically nailed it in a, in a very clever way. I had a couple of people that I was going to invite and talk to. Mm -hmm. Um but I always have to leave it open to Lou because she's the one with the clipboard. Today, a topic came up and I wrote to my friend uh, about somebody. <laughs> I'm, and I'm gonna have to be careful because I don't wanna reveal who she is. She's a friend, her name is Jane. But a session that I had with somebody not, not Jennifer, but somebody, you know, in my book, Architecture of the Afterlife, and I were talking about saints, people that are saints, considered to be saints. Okay. And the reason was is because in a past life memory, somebody in the book, Architecture of the Afterlife, recalled being a particular Dominican monk. And after this guy died, he was named a saint. So he was Saint so-and-so. And so I was, I went to Jennifer and we clarified, you know, who is this saint? And Jennifer said, it's this person who made nameless at this moment. And so now I was wrestling with that concept the night after, as I'm always wrestling with things. Um, 
it's and exactly then my you. <laughs> and then my sleep. <laughs> I'm at, I'm I'm saying to somebody, and this is how this often happens. I'm in the midst of a conversation, and then I become aware that I'm talking to somebody on the flip side, and I'm saying, "A saint? Come on, what are we talking about here? Saints?" And this person, I'm going to guess it was Luana, said, "Well, you know a saint." Mm -hmm. And I went, "Who do I know that's a saint besides Jennifer?" Oh, right. And she said, "You know Saint Bernadette." And she is your friend, Jane. Now, is that what we're talking about, Lou? Because they showed me somebody like Joan of Arc. I don't know who St. Bernadette is. I don't have that in my... Similar, similar in the sense of her being an icon who, like Joan of Arc, saw things. Like Jennifer, saw things. Saw into the future. That's why they, she was so famous. And people were like, oh my God, she can predict. She predicted where a church should be built. She spoke to Mary, had a conversation with Mary, and Mary said, build the church here in wherever it was in France. Pardon me, Bernadette. I, I'm not that up on your story. But at the time, this is December 17th, 2019, I had this conversation, and I wrote to my friend and said, have okay. you ever had... I think I, I think I remember you mentioning, mentioning it. And I said, have you ever had any dreams about living in France? Because, you know, you can't just say, hey, were you a saint? <laughs> she never replied. I, you know, she, I may have freaked her out completely. And that's fine. It's all right. But I sent her a link to my film. And I was like, yeah, watch the film. Don't take it that seriously. Listen, we don't exchange cards when we're talking about reincarnation. We don't, we don't come in as a purple book and then switch out and be the red book. We... Right. You know, we pour about a third of our conscious energy into a life. And then when it's over, we go, the third goes back to the other two. That's what people say. Anyway, so this morning, somebody on social media said, have you read, to my friend Jane, have you read any of Rich's books? I mean, he talks about this stuff all the time. And she wrote a nice little note to this guy saying, yeah, yeah, I'm aware of his stuff. So then I knew she had watched, you see, the film I had sent her. So I wrote her a note today and I just said, look, try not to take it too seriously. You are who you are. Bernadette was a regular person who happened to live in France, who happened to see things on the flip side, who instead of being burned at the stake, which happened to Joni, oh, yeah. they made her a saint. And they and she, that, they didn't burn her. They didn't burn Joan of Arc at the stake for what she saw. They burned her for cross dressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably forget, and I'm sure you do. But we have interviewed Joan. Right, but they burned her for cross dressing. Well, in in our deep involved conversation with her, I think it's in backstage pass to the flip side three. She was like you. She saw and heard from the flip side. She showed up and, and there was that moment when she, the Prince of France, the, the Dauphin, disguised himself and she pointed him out of a crowd and we asked her, how did you do that? She yeah. was like, I just knew, I could just see him. And ultimately the church came forward and said, are you 
were you talking to God? That's the question. Were you talking to God or were you talking to Satan? Because you can't be talking to God because you're not a holy person. So you must have been talking to Satan. So we're going to burn you with the Satan. Plus, she left behind a diary, which is really wonderful to read if you ever get a chance. But, you know, day by day. Well, her mother, 20 years later, they, you know, they made her a saint 20 years later. The Catholic Church said they made a mistake. Yeah. I don't know. But all I can tell you is she told us what happened to the key um, inquisitor, the priest who had a droopy eye. She told us that. There was something wrong with his eye. And so he was the guy who sentenced her to death. And then he had a horrible death after that. She kind of told us that with glee, which is an unusual detail, which you can't, you know, find it. Anyway, so what is it about Bernadette that Luana that you wanted to reference? Why did you why did you bring that up? Was it just to say it was accurate or? Thank you. So she's saying that no, it's accurate, but you're like she had to like literally be thank you be held with like kick gloves like almost kind of like taking a baby a toddler and I don't mean this in any any there's no hierarchy here at all but allowing Jane to process this slowly yeah well I gave her freaking a year and a half (laughs) before I wrote this email that said snap out of it is that a big deal so what you're a saint we're all saints come on I, but listen, I agree. I appreciate she totally it. Does, she, it does resonate, but she just doesn't know what to do about it kind of thing. Yeah. And there's, well, not, I, there's not really much you can do. You just kind of, you, but what you can do is call your life. Like I've learned through, there's this fabulous book that's out called Mary Magdalene Revealed. And it's, it's by Megan, uh, Megan Watterson. And mm-hmm. I fell in love with it because you know how much I love Mary and you know how much I love Mother Mary, <laughs> clearly. And um, she discusses how bring in your, there's like a little meditation where you say, I call myself in from all my lives, past, present, and future now in, mm-hmm. to help you with whatever it is. And I do believe that if you do say that, you can do that if you believe it. If you have one ounce of row or no no or whatever disbelief, disbelief, the universe just lets you have that. <laughs> I think row better than disbelief. It's a better term. <laughs> I just can't. So what I love is living the way that I'm living, where I get to talk to spirit, where which everybody can do. Everyone yeah. teaching and telling people become your own, you know, person. Like you don't need someone like me, but it takes time to make yourself. You're all tapped in, but it takes time for your awareness to get to that point. You have to give yourself time to kind of ingest everything. You Absolutely. Know? And, and when, to, like you said, to allow for the possibility. Right. Once allow. you do that, once you stop denying everything and saying, well, maybe it's possible that there's an afterlife, even though I don't want to believe what all these other people are saying. That's right. fine. Once you allow that there's a possibility, then they have a possibility, you see, to connect. They now go, oh, there's a crack in the door. All we got to do is keep throwing light into that right. gate, and we'll eventually be able to chat with these people. It really is so much fun once you start living, you know, living in spirit, where you start asking questions. I ask questions all the time. 
And I even asked to the point, I'm like, okay, what time should I give you? And I got a time. And I'm like, Why did you give me that time? And they said, well, if, you, if you, we gave you the right time, you would have been later. <laughs> well, there is that. And then you got the problem of schizophrenics who are walking around talking to people all the time. And it's hard to parse, you know. Well, obviously, if you get one ounce, that's another thing. Nobody bad's going to try to come in and try to tell you to hurt yourself. That's just not how it works. Well, not to debate this point too fine, but that's certainly people do that's, have. It's part of the, that is part of the difference between what I do and what a schizophrenic might get. No, no, I agree. And I'm saying it, but in terms of you, in terms of the kind of work we've been doing, people don't come in with bad information or they don't, they're not allowed to see difficult yeah. lifetimes where they were bad. You're not allowed to come in if your vibration is like, and it doesn't matter if you, you know, if you feel bad about yourself or if you feel like you're in a bad place, nobody bad's going to come in and hang out with you. You're too boring. I'm no, too no, boring. I, I agree. But in terms of the medical and us talking about this stuff, there are people who do have severe mental disorders who right. do have ideation of things. And so those people, you don't want to say, nothing bad can come in you, you do need professional Correct. help right which to i access always that, whatever it is you know what i try to tell people is if you're having a problem meditate learn how to meditate if you really have a problem with something that happened that you can't process i suggest hypnotherapy find a hypnotherapist trained by the newton institute that's what i recommend or if you have a direct question that you think an answer will help you Talk to Jennifer or someone like Jennifer, somebody who verifiably can be shown to be accurate about what they're doing. You can do it yourself. As Jennifer has noted, and we've talked about in our books, Backstage Pass, the flip side is a workbook, how to do it yourself, how to do it on your own. You can, but being able to do it on your own means you're, you should be in a place where you feel comfortable exploring and meditating and not stressing and not worrying about the wolf at the door, right? Something Absolutely. like that. All right, Lou, back to you, my dear. So did we cover Bernadette? Is there anything else we're supposed to chat about her? Huh. We all have saints that we are connected to. Hmm. Interesting. We all have saints that we are connected to. How so? How do you... How do you connect to saints? I, I mean, do they have to be Catholic? No. No. So, for instance, um, no, and they showed me Krishna. They showed me, you have different, like, there's so many. There's a platform. Avatars. Avatars. She went like this. So you tap into what energy is it that would help whatever you're familiar with, whether you're, if you're Catholic, you do that. If you're Mormon, you have another. If you're, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just you can tap into their energy and ask them to help you, ask them to heal you, ask them to guide you. Um, that's another all access pass. Everyone has that. That's, I forget to even mention that, but that's what she's reminding me of. That's what she's saying. Yesterday, I did a uh, phone interview blog thing with a guy um, in Essex. He's an Oxford professor of theology, Mark Chatterton. And uh, we, his 
blog is or his you know his podcast is about guides and he wanted to hear some information about what guides say and and the, the key thing they always say in all this research and in my case i'm not talking to guides i'm talking to people who claim to be talking to guides whether it's through deep hypnosis or just my casual conversation architecture the afterlife has dozens of me conversing with guides or council members on the flip side mm -hmm. reporting answering right. questions and they say consistently you're always connected always you're never alone you showed up on the planet with the help and guidance and support of dozens a, if not thousands a huge team a huge, huge team huge so this idea that we're alone or i feel alone or lonely it's not accurate. No. And, and then figure out how do I open myself up to talk to those people. So here we are with Lou and the clipboard. Who else is on the clipboard? I don't know. I have my own clipboard, though. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Lou, uh, let's look down. She put, she put somebody in your head earlier. Okay. Head. I want her to guide me. Who am I talking to? Who do we need to talk to? Is it the guardian angel dude we talked to last week? Oh, I had a symbol of infinity show up last night. I don't know what that was in reference to. Somebody else. I asked Lou, is this the guy we talked to last week? Guardian. The guardian. And so, okay, so Lou, what's up with this symbol of infinity? If you look at a G, for if you do a cursive G, it's almost an eight. Okay. You think about it. Guardian. Infinity, the symbol. Infinity. But why did you put that symbol into my head last night? It has infinite power from all of ourselves. So the the it's never broken. Like it's it's being connected and never broken. Okay. Well, the symbol of infinity. But are you talking about consciousness? No. The afterlife. So how is the afterlife related to infinity? Or the symbol of infinity? Sorry, I just saw my dad. Hi, Jim. You know what he did? He took my hands. And you know how you like go around as fast as you can? Like, you know, it's... Um... Okay, hold on. Elvis is waiting too. There's something about Elvis. Elvis, okay. Elvis is in the building. Elvis is in the building because he keeps popping in. Um, but back to your question, how is infinity related to the afterlife? It's related because the infinite is the afterlife. So then, I correct know. me if I'm wrong, Lou. No, correct me if I'm wrong. So consciousness is life. Mm -hmm. Consciousness is love. Love is consciousness. Right. Life is continuous, doesn't end, it transforms like right. energy does. So the term infinity, it's not an object, but it's a process. Yes. So consciousness is related to infinity in the way that we continue to go on and change and evolve. 
Is that, but why would you pop that into my head? You wanted to talk about that today? Something you wanted me to mention or? I mean, is it related to a mathematician? I was looking up last week, a guy named Simon Newcomb. Yes, but it's different. I wanted to hear what she has to say about why she put it, because I feel like it's something different. Um, it is relate. There is a relationship there to that, but um, it was about somebody you were thinking about on the other side. And it was almost a way of saying that you're going to see this person again. So I don't know who you were thinking about. You obviously know you're going to see him again. So I'm not even quite sure. Either you had a sadness about somebody that was on the other side, or you watched the Democratic convention. I'm not sure. No, I, I would, I would offer. But if I was going to unpack that, I would say, it's related to a topic that someone out there is listening in, and she wants us to pass that along. That consciousness and life goes on. That it's about infinity, not me, Rich. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's rich, you pass that along, say that, say that aloud. Everybody that you're missing, you will see again. But full stop. You go round and round in circles. So Simon Newcomb is a guy who discovered something uh, 100, 200 years ago. He was a mathematician from Canada, born on my birthday in 1835, went to Harvard, was self-educated self-educated mathematician, genius dude. He discovered this, something they now refer to as Benford's Law, and it's a numerical anomaly that happens throughout nature, throughout all statistics. I was watching a show about it the other day, and I, I realized I had forgotten to ask this question to our guardian angel who was talking about mathematical principles. And so, Lou, if you can direct this question to whoever needs to hear it, how is Benford's law related to consciousness? That's the question. By the I know it's esoteric, but. By the threads? The by the threads. By the interwoven threads, I'm getting. By the interwoven threads? Are you talking about quantum mechanics, string theory threads? It's all of it. It's all of it? I feel like, I feel like whatever he, whatever, so. Whatever he, um, because I obviously don't know anything no, about No, no, I understand. Simon is the guy who discovered this, and this okay. guy Benford picked up on it 100 years later. Okay. Um, it's like all these theories are trying to prove the same thing, and those books will. Like, all of them are proving the same thing. Of how things work. Correct. I won't get into the detail of it, but it basically, it was a discovery that all numbers follow this curve. That statistically, everything that's got a numerical value follows this curve, Benford's law. It's true in everything. That's how the IRS catches cheats. Because if your tax returns don't follow, the, they know you're cheating. So, but I'm curious about it because it implies that everything is locked in cement. No matter how many things we try to do that are different or think we're creative or think we're unique and free will, we do follow Benford's law. We do follow this curve. So my question to the powers that be, 
Does that mean that the universe is already set? <laughs> it's funny. I just saw something really interesting. So the roadmap is already set, but you might go get an ice cream they showed me. So you might, the road- You have free will to screw it up. Yes. Yeah, so you have likely outcomes. Right, you might stop at a slower car, a slower way of being, they're saying. You might stop being, you have to eat a bunch of ice cream. You might stop. They're just showing me like, there's a lot of things that would that could possibly take they're you all off. to the map. But this is the weird part of Bedford's law, that even those people who stop to get the ice cream and change the map, when you count up the numbers at the end of the day, it still follows this ridiculous curve, no matter what people do. So it's a very profound question. And I don't, I'm not sure if Luana wants to tackle it. So the question is, is everything set in stone? I know that's not the case. I know that variables, but my question is in terms of the design of the architecture of the afterlife, of, of everything, not the afterlife, of the universe, of reality, why does it follow this rule? Not that it's set in stone, because I know it's changeable, malleable, but at the end of the day, it keeps following the dang curve, no matter what we do. So is that just how, you said it earlier, that's just how things are. That's just how things are. And so, and I was also shown something that I was told, like 75% of the people on the planet are just here. They're just conscious, right? Yeah. And then 15% of the people on the planet are moving, movers and shakers. They're the ones that you know, Change changes, but they're not necessarily brought with religious, like, you know, they're not directed by religion. Yeah. And then there's 5%, you know, let's say five to 6% that are on, that are on a spirit that have more of a spiritual yeah. path. So those numbers hardly, they rarely change. Huh. And so, as far as I've, what I've seen. And so if I'm being shown those statistics, it's like that curve. There's enough people that just don't change. or there's They kind of show that, up and they follow that curve. Or they inevitably still follow the curve. Wow, that's mind bending. <laughs> Even for us who are showing that you can break the paradigm by talking to people on the flip side, the people on the flip side are saying, eh, the paradigm is the paradigm. Stop trying to break it. It's, it's fine. It's how things are. Enjoy the ride. Very strange. Okay, Lou, anybody else? Oh, Elvis, what are we talking about? We got an Elvis waiting in the wings. Oh, Where? son. No, his grandson, right? His grandson. Oh, his grandson, yeah, who we spoke to briefly. Right. At the time, he didn't want to really talk. Yeah, it's interesting because Elvis has to come forward. So he didn't, I don't remember. I'm sorry. So he didn't okay. talk. He wasn't ready to talk then? He wasn't ready to talk to us. No, at the very end of our session, he said something like, in the future, I'll, I think I'll be able to. So thank you, Elvis. What do you, Elvis, because yeah. we know you more better than we know your grandson. And I'm sorry about your grandson's not being on the planet and his family and their suffering, I'm sure. But okay, let's ask him. Um, what was it like for you when you crossed over? Was it uh... so much music? So much music. And this is the grandson speaking. Yes. 
and so much love. So much music and so much love. Who was there to greet you? Because, hold on a sec. Let me finish. I'm sorry. Sure. Let me. Go ahead. Me. Um, he said that, well, obviously his dad was there, but there was a lot of people there. Um, he also had a, he also, had a dog. he also had a dog that greeted him. He also had, you know, I don't know, there was a, there was a lot. Um, show me again. He said why I was disoriented after I passed. I don't believe he meant to do what he did. He was definitely out of, like, with his mind, just mm -hmm. what pressures I felt. I felt there was like pressures that he put on himself of trying to break habits that I don't know if he could break. And I know nothing about, I don't remember what was written about him or anything like that mm -hmm. uh, just for the audience. So you guys know. Um, and when Elvis showed up, I forgot about it. I didn't even know until Elvis told me, no, my grandson. And I didn't I'm even the know. same. I forgot that we yeah. talked to his grandson. I'm sorry to say. And then, hold on. It's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. No, but they know that about me. They're like, they, they get briefed all the time. She's, yeah, you have an excuse. You're in a trance. I have no excuse. Like, don't get, and they're like, don't get upset if Jennifer doesn't remember. Um, okay, show me again. You show me daisies. What about the daisies? Huh, we're all flowers when we come in. Which is so much excitement. So much sun, plenty of water. We have everything we need. All we have to do is grow. And then comes along a storm, <laughs> a rocky storm. And even though we, if we get back up again and we grow even further, sometimes we get, I know this is a metaphor obviously, He's like, sometimes we just can't forget about the storm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful metaphor. If you're, always, if you're always afraid of the storm, then it impedes your growth as a flower. Mm. There's no way you can grow as a flower if you're too afraid of the storm. When the storm actually brings in more flowers and does more for, you know, with more water, more nutrients. Um, more life. I just couldn't forget about the storm, he said. That's oh, a beautiful, beautiful poem and a beautiful metaphor for what happens to people. It was a delicate, thank you. It was a delicate way of putting my emotions out. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it yeah. with us. Um, I understand, and, and the idea that, you know, we're all daisies, and some people, a storm comes in, and they're like, yeah, a storm, I'm so excited. Other, other people get completely inundated by it, and they can't get over the storm, and then their growth is stunted by these events. PTSD is a good example. Soldiers in battle, you know, their life path is so altered, they can't get back to it. This is why we always refer to Anthony Bourdain, who came through after his suicide mm -hmm. and talked about what he learned and discovered once he was over there, including if you learn how to meditate, 
before, you can alter that storm memory. You can get to a point where you realize you can't control what things happen to you, but you can control how you react to them. Right. Hey, do you know Goji by chance? Goji. Very. I don't. Yeah, Goji. it's a uh, like a guru kind of a guy. He's a guru kind of a guy, but I, I've heard one meditation from him, and it was a it was a guided meditation, and I'm telling you, it brought me into a space of nothingness where nothing can hurt you, your body can't, like, it was so amazing to me that I use it now, like when I'm working out, I feel a little bit of pain, I jump. <laughs> I can get into that space real fast. And it was just- Wow, was, oh, you jump. I, it's like, you're working out and then you're jumping. So I get it. And I have never been, that's just, it's so fascinating to me because once you get into that space where nothing can hurt you and you know that you're infinite and you know that it's it's just if you're the only person around what that what that would look like it's it's challenging to explain but i felt it and it was fascinating to feel the observance of everything else and allowing everything else to be profound profound meditation i think the first meditation was taught by buddha of all people and it was the breath meditation and his thing was just count your breath and after you get to like 600 or 1,000, you're not thinking about whatever it was that was bothering you because you're counting. You're just focusing. You're letting the breath come in and letting the breath go out. And you can also meditate on things while you're doing that physical activity. Like you were saying, when you're working out, perfect form of meditation, swimming, walking, singing, acting. You know, people get into a state of trance, like you're working. Yeah. But that, it's hard to tell people, hey, get into that trance and cure yourself. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I talk a lot about Tonglen, a meditation that Tibetans know and, you know, whatever. Uh, Pema Chodron has a couple of things on YouTube where you can watch. You take meditation, med means measure in Latin. You're just measuring. You're looking and observing and trying to figure stuff out. That's all. And Can I share with you something my daughter sent me? Please. <laughs> Which was very sweet. She's like, Mom, she goes, I had a hard time sleeping, but she goes, ever since I saw this online, this meditation she does before she goes to breath work, before she goes to bed, she goes, I'm always out. It always works. And she, I'm like, well, send it to me. So she sent it to me just not too long ago. It says, Breathing, inhale through your nose, four seconds, hold for seven seconds, exhale through your mouth for eight seconds. I'm cured. <laughs> I know, it works. Well, that's brilliant, yeah, very good. Four seconds, hold it for seven, exhale through your mouth for eight, and it just settles your brain. All right, because you're just thinking about holding your breath rather than holding on to anger. We're holding into jealousy here. Right. Early dramas. Drama. Okay, before I lose you. Yes, I know. Lou, take a look at the clipboard. Anybody else? You'd be surprised what we can do in five. I know. Well, she just showed me you in my mind's eye, so I need to figure out what they want. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw a name at you, Nick. Nick. Do I need to focus on Nick? Lou? She'll tell you. She knows what I'm talking about. 
Maybe in another week. No, not next. Maybe in later. Okay, very good. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Lou, anybody else on our list? Take a look. Oh, class is quiet. No, she's just showing me Sherry now. So Sherry, um, that's my wife. Sherry does meditation, correct? Maybe. <laughs> some form of it. They're showing me her. Um, oh. Oh. She's connected. Then they showed me an archangel, which, they sh well, they showed me Mother Mary. Does Don't judge. So, connection to Mother Mary at all? Let's just let's not unpack it yet, Lou. You're showing Jennifer. Sherry has a connection to Mary. Correct. Okay. And is it? What is the connection? Is it a family connection? So, what do you mean? hold on. It's Mother Mary. Okay, I, yeah, lady in blue. Has she shown up to Sherry? Is that what's going on? Or, like or they knew each other in a previous lifetime or? You've been reading about it. There's something that it feels like she has. Okay. So it feels like she's finding out her- Pardon me, pardon audience, Mary. <laughs> Sit down. Lou, can we talk to Mary? Yes. Mary, how are you? She's good. You give love to everybody. You've been doing this for this lifetime and continuing on. With Mother Teresa right now, yes. And have you had many lifetimes since you were on the planet? She's had, it feels like she's had two here. So what is your connection to my wife? If you don't mind me asking a direct question. Her energy. Her energy. And the reasons why she doesn't like to do certain things because of other people's energies. Is it because she feels your form of empathy and compassion? Absolutely. And Mother Teresa came, like all of that. So that's. Okay. You represented a rare quality of empathy and compassion. And when people tap into you, is that something they need to download from you? It's something they need to bring out within them. They don't need it it's already in them. She just brings it out for she them. She helps bring it up. And I, I apologize for asking you to show up in this weird shortened version of having a conversation, which should take six hours. But is there something you would like to share or pass along to people on the planet who are suffering? She keeps showing me Sherry. So hold on a second. saying sherry and you know people that have been listening to us forever we don't go hey i want to talk to your spouse like no, it's i didn't ask she's here let's chat she's saying sherry has powers that she doesn't understand like healing powers within her hands um okay. she needs to trust those more all right she, i'll pass that along but yes. i appreciate that you're giving me a direct message that's very kind it's not just direct for you it's that's every, what i mean Everybody. I know that's what you're asking. So if you could share, how do people tap into your energy so they can use it to heal people? They have to first believe that they can. 
and then well they have to i don't know which comes first believe in themselves okay. and then ask believe in yourself believe that you can then ask and it's not for asking for permission it's asking so you it's more tangible for you very good so if i ask you for lottery numbers did she laugh or is that you she's I laughing i made mary laugh not easy it's a tough room and it's a tougher room on the flip side every time i even have mother mary come in my heart gets so warm and I get, the, I mean, I have the chills from my head down to my toes. Like, How so is she dressed right now in terms of you seeing her? It's not blue, it's maroon. Maroon, okay. And is it a cape or is her is there hair uncovered? No, her hair is uncovered. It's and what not, color is it? It's dishwater, it's brown. Brown, and what color are her eyes? If you can look at them. They're brown. Brown. And if you could reach over and take hold of her hands, both of her hands, if she'll allow you to do that. What does that feel like? It's very interesting. It's very soft. It's very soft hands. Very good. Are you, Mary, what, how, what do you think about what Jennifer and I are doing? Is this appropriate or is this the thing to be doing or what's your opinion? It's a guardianship for others, she says. It's like, oh, it's, it's like being the lookout tower for other people. So they might not know where to look, we're that tower that helps them look. Great. So it's not so much about tuning in to see us talk to you. It's about us telling people how they can tune in to themselves so they can talk to you. Correct. That correct? correct? Wow. Well, that was really, so Lou, you made Mary wait for all these other people? No, she, she was here the whole time. Okay, very good. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Mary. I know I'm going to lose Jennifer in a minute. The hot nanosecond. In nano. a hot nanosecond. Lou, any last words other than we love you and you're, you rock and thank you for showing up to help us with our class? Help the planet heal. Everyone feels alone right now. And they don't, the they don't feel like they have a voice either. They feel silenced. A lot of people feel silenced. A lot of it has to do with politics, how people are divided. Um, and literally wearing masks. Okay, so how can we talk to people, Lou? How do we let help people to talk to their guide? Go in your own COVID room where you don't wear a mask, where <laughs> you you could do it anywhere. But and it's not they can hear everything, even though you can't physically. It's challenging to physically say things with a mask. I got on. one. How about singing a song to your guide? Yes. Within the song is your request. It doesn't feel weird to sing a song because we sing them all the time, right? It's right. not that weird, but if you're thinking this song is for you. Great way to connect to loved ones too. On the flip side, mm -hmm. music. 
Wow. And she says she's tired of classical music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, our class has got a lot of people that are not classical musically trained. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's that's <Right>? funny. <laughs> okay, very good. Lou, thank you very much for showing up. I appreciate it. That's LuanaAnders.com in case you want to look her up. And that's JenniferSchaefer.com in case you want to look her up. And me, you don't need to look me up. We love you. We'll see you next week. More to come. Everybody, chill, have fun, wash your hands, wear a mask, and speak directly to those who want to hear from you. Know that you have a full team of angels, archangels. Always with you. Bye.